and welcome to the Dad and Sons podcast. Today, today, this this bright and early morning, <laughs> we have our our dad or son George Weedman. Hello, puffing it up over there. Wait, and what? We have Liam. Uh, are, are you are you uh, are you alive, Liam? I'm um, um, uh, hanging in, hanging in. You know, mm. I officially motion. A, well, no, I officially introduce a motion to change the name for this week to Dead and Sons. Because me, <laughs> me and George are dead. I, I am dead from just now waking up. And Liam, you're dead from ready to go the hell to bed. I am. Like, Matt's like, it's a bright and early morning. I was like, what the fuck are you talking about, man? <laughs> <laughs> it's so fucking dark outside. So, did you finally get hit by by Ugh. the 12-hour work shift, um, overworking Japanese uh, inevitability, the uh, the stories that we keep hearing all the time of of the oppressive hours of unfulfilled labor? Uh, yeah, I was away on a business trip for a couple of days, and it was pretty full-on for the entire time, and it's, it's hit me, it's hit me like a ton of bricks, and I'm going to Korea tomorrow, so more traveling. Oh, yeah. For fun, though. It, this is for fun. But yeah, just for fun. It's for fun. Okay. But fun is hard work when you want to have a lot of fun in a short space of time, but it's going to be good. I'm looking forward. Yes, it is. It is hard work. Your feet start to hurt a little bit. <laughs> That's true. Very true. I feel like a monster. No change that oh. then. You want to finish that sentence? <laughs> I feel like a monster because while you guys have had to toil, I, I basically spent the weekend playing a bunch of VR games. Wow. And it was great. The life. <laughs> the life. And nothing really bad happened. 10 to 12 hour shifts with with Matt and Liam and George is just like waving his hands in his apartment. <laughs> wow, this is cool. There's like pajama pants. George truly is the boss. Like me and Matt are just the puny employees at the bottom. George is just yeah. like, I'm just going to take their hard work, turn it into those Patreon dollars and just sit in my ass in VR all weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Calling George out. <laughs> well, where's the segue? I'm waiting for it. Where's the segue? I, I, I don't know how to recover from that. This, I'm waiting for the segue. <laughs> I don't know how to segue from that. How is I think I'm point, broken. George? Yeah, segue into the game you were engrossing yourself in. Are you guys aware of Farpoint? Yes, yeah, it's yeah. the shooty one, right? With the gun. Yeah. It's a fun video game that I enjoyed playing this weekend. You you like that plastic? I thought you didn't like plastic, George. I yeah, I, I don't I don't know if I like the fact that there's a big stupid plastic gun kind of like lying around next to my TV in my apartment now. <laughs> <laughs> Just don't take it outside. Just don't take it outside. We know what happens when you take plastic guns outside in your country. Did you guys did you guys hear that police siren that like comically preceded my statement? It's the ultimate comedic timing. Just I missed. can't believe how perfect it was. Like for real. <laughs> Any anyways, so Farpoint is, is a game that's controlled by a giant plastic gun. 
you uh, have, a, have a little control stick that's kind of welded into the backside of the gun. They just like tried as hard as they could to screw a PlayStation controller into a giant plastic gun, which is more like a giant plastic r- rhombus. Um, Isn't it just the old PlayStation Move gun for Killzone that they bought out a couple of years ago on the PlayStation 3? Isn't it just that? I thought it was I'm that. I'm going to look that thing up. I don't know. I, I yeah. The little... Uh, power plug on the bottom of this thing is uh mini usb instead of micro usb or whatever the main difference was that we uh, graduated from across the two generations so this is ps4 era tech whereas the ps move controllers are totally ps3 era tech and you can tell because they use a different freaking charging cable than the playstation 4 controllers which means when you have your psvr completely set up inside of your tv there are more with your two PS Move controllers and your DualShock Four controller. There are more controllers and devices that you have to shove into your place to, your poor PlayStation's USB holes <laughs> than your PlayStation even has USB hole room for. Is it, there's no there's no batteries. Wait, there's no batteries. Well, well, you you have to recharge the batteries. That's it's you know how. Oh, it's it's in there. You can't just replace the batteries. That's that's yeah yeah and, and I, I mean oh. i'd rather have them be rechargeable through a cable but there's no way to charge everything at the same time you have to rotate your equipment out of these holes <laughs> but you just get a usb hub for uh for the ps4 i'm sure that exists somewhere because ps4 is just like a computer i don't know if that's what people tell me at my job <laughs> is that what you tell the customers at your job I want to build a four hundred dollar computer. Oh, I, sorry, sorry. This is sorry. This is a retail BS world that you don't want to go down. Just forget it. <laughs> go, ahead. Go, go ahead, George. I'm sorry to interrupt. I feel like a monster. <laughs> oh yeah, totally. <laughs> It's fine. I can't believe that you guys want me to talk all this bullshit about this virtual reality toy with the giant plastic gun in my room when when But I, how was the game, George? Because it, it didn't look very appealing on 2D YouTube space. Yeah, it looked pretty generic shooter, yeah. shooter McGuffin. But how does like it handle in the VR okay. world? Okay, so the gameplay is uh I mean the level design of it structures the whole thing as kind of a Half-Life style shooter where you have a combat tunnel from the beginning of the game to the very end. And what's really strange is that as you walk through this combat tunnel, a lot of the enemies and set pieces that you're supposed to be drawing your your line of sight towards are placed in front of you all the time since it's a VR game and they don't want you to have to turn around a lot. The game has full traditional fps controls you just are supposed to play it with the giant gun that you hold in your hand because the gun has two analog sticks one that you can move one that you can use for moving and one that you can use for looking and you play it like a traditional fps on 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 top of this controller that that you hold like a gun so, but is it fun? Is it fun? Like yeah. you, you've been harping on about VR being amazing for the past two episodes. You sound yeah. pretty down on Farpoint. I mean, it, I, I, I understand it's no super hot, but is it good? Is it a good time? No, it seems required. like 
like at least a good 7.5 minimum so far. Garbage. No, that doesn't mean garbage. Well, so far, and I have yet to finish it, but that's only as... I would say that's just like the lowest that it's bottomed out. It has a really awkward attempt at trying to tell a Limitations story. Limitations of, you know, what you're using, a non-PC oh, VR headset. I actually, I, the PlayStation aim controller kind of just sort of works. Uh-huh. I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to playing Doom VFR with this thing. The motion tracking is a hell of a lot better than the uh, PS Move controller. Whatever whatever tech they're using, you can tell as a generation above the PS Aim controllers, which they are phasing out. They're 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 going to be replacing those within the generation with uh, better better motion controllers for the PS Move. But Farpoint is meant to be played with you sitting in a chair, pointing the gun at oh, the TV. No. If you need to turn your character around, you use the analog stick and just. No turn oh, like a regular what 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 VR? VR, you're supposed to get up on your feet supposed to supposed to do some squats as well <laughs> man. come on you can squat if you want like what's the point if all we're doing is you know being in front of the computer with like a headset and 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 some controls in our hand it's like the same thing like we we <laughs> well VR. if you like squatting i bet you had more fun in rec room oh I, yeah yeah I, I had a hell of a lot more fun in rec room actually rec oh my room god i can't it's fun rec you play room with people it, and that's like the best part of about vr is the social aspect or the worst because you could just like get stuck in a room with uh, i just I, with people who who spew rancid bullshit out of their mouth holes I, it's good. It's good stuff, though. Like I, 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 I so you, so you know, you know what it's like to be oh, like, like playing this cute little like cartoon paintball thing, and you just like hear echoing down the corridors with like positional binaural three D audio. This like <laughs> southern redneck accent. Fuck, fuck, shit. Like <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> I had a guy called Jesus of Nazareth come in <laughs> and he was using like the confetti gun and like popping it right near his crotch. Like, and he was just like, oh, you've been blessed. You've been blessed. You've been blessed. <laughs> just going around and blessing people. <laughs> just the most ridiculous things happen in there. I, I, you can only get that experience when you go into some, it, it, you know, it's like the um, show me where to go. Yeah, you know that. I'm not no, sorry. Show me where to go. Not not. A, what is it? What is the meme again? Oh, oh, no. Oh, no. What is the meme Don't again? tell the, the me. Knuckles Don't thing. tell me. No, <laughs> I've totally forgotten not. about it now. But yeah, like little not, things like that. George is racist. Jump away from him. Don't do that. <laughs> oh my god, I feel like I'm being taken for such oh, a yeah, ride. That, I mean, <laughs> when when you have something like that become a meme and Black Panther come out at the same time, it just just mixes together. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> I see I see both of you guys are just completely quiet. Completely you do you do not want to step on this. So but I'm, I'm gonna, screaming on the inside. You're stepping around the puddle of poop. <laughs> that I've left for you. <laughs> <laughs> the puddle. Uh, of poop. Well, it's like, it's like liquidy. All right. <laughs> it's, 
I but think at least Rec oh, Room is there a it is. fun Do video you know game. <laughs> the segue, the segue is good. So I don't, I, my, I, <laughs> just cut that shit out. <laughs> I don't know how I can elegantly transition from the incredible, <laughs> awkward attempt. It, 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 it mentioning strange racially biased characters in, in recent pop media, but 13 minutes racist. <laughs> Just cut it out. But Rec Room is a fun video game. So what is there left to play on VR now then, George? Like, what haven't you experienced that you're looking forward to experience? Supergiant Games uh, made an darker, darker place. Oh, I, I, I was, I was going to point out that Supergiant Games did another VR follow-up prequel to Until Dawn called The Inpatient that got mixed reviews. I'm kind of, sort of seeing a disparity in these mixed reviews along the lines of outlets who. Just uh, seem predisposed to like or dislike VR based on their biases. I'm I'm looking forward to playing that. Supergiant has production values. They have really, really good quality uh, motion capture and, and and acting in their studio of theirs. And it's always uncanny and surreal to see a very well captured, well animated human model in VR. Have, have you noticed that, Matt? Have you played the Star Trek game? Not the Star Trek one. What? And, and, See, and that would be like my po- go-to. Like that would be like the VR I'd want to experience. I don't particularly care for horror, so I'd rather be like you know, a captain of the British. Why are you not playing that? Come on. I was never into Star Trek as a kid. I, That's I was irrelevant. more of a Star You're like Wars kid. A sp- like a, a spaceship. It's well, yeah, infinitely but it also. Costs money and competes against stuff where you shoot a gun at things, and that's the American dream. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta understand, Liam, that when 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 I'm in the store as a kid who was more of a Star Wars Topical. kid than a Star Trek kid, and I see a giant plastic gray toy gun that I could keep in the lap of 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 myself in a chair in a dark room in front of a TV alone. I, I'd apparently rather want to do that than be the captain of a spaceship. Well. The controller works well, though. <laughs> <laughs> what is... What? I'm timestamping yes, these awkward silences. <laughs> I can't tell if it's comedy gold or it's just like nothing. We we have gone into such a weird space this podcast. Too early on. Way too early on. Liam is tired. I'm so I'm hungry. sorry, guys. And I'm a hedonistic monster because I'm waking up early, bright and early at, at like like 8.30 in the morning to get ready because I was up all night playing VR games, having fun, being a shit. Oh, George, we still love Speaking you. Speaking of garbage, um, <laughs> hunt down the free man. 
Oh, I'm yeah, pretty let's sure that, that. <laughs> that was complete garbage, right? Right? Am I? Right? Mm-hmm. Now you're like forcing the segues onto me. <laughs> oh my god. I'm just getting segued myself. George, did you actually play it? Yes. Oh my god, tell us. Tell us. It's not great. <laughs> yeah, but is it like like terrible? Or is it just like not good? It's very, is it very, about very, very hunting down Gordon Freeman? Uh, supposedly, however, it gets quite sidetracked fairly early on in, in which it becomes oh, more quest. about lovely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. The the most most of the game is a side quest in which your character is trying to survive the the seven hours war, um, in Great. in which various uh, obstacles are placed in your way of a combat tunnel that sends you in a very linear fashion from the beginning but of the, the game to the end of the game. Hunt down the free man, though. Yeah, it's uh. Well, well, he's a free man. <laughs> wow, wow! This, this now, this is a train wreck. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the game broke me. I don't know. So much but- is going to get cut out. <laughs> So much like the uh, much like this podcast, you can't quite tell what the production values of Hunt Down the Freeman are supposed to be. <laughs> much like this podcast, the production quality of every aspect of this video game varies wildly and consistently throughout the experience from beginning to end. But at the very least, we don't copy Valve's IPs. And it's, uh, I, that making the video about it and the story about it involved being really, really careful about picking my words and trying like hell to make sure that I could get some sort of statement from them from the original team so that I could ensure that they were more or less doing their part to stay above board. I'm kind of squinting right now. Mm, there, because there's a lot more detail that I couldn't exactly like corroborate or, or verify. And since the video, more sources have actually come forwards wanting to clarify more things, which I think is great and hilarious. And I'm going to be doing a follow-up story about it. Where I'm going to be issuing some some clarifications and some retractions. Don't necessarily know if I want to uh, uh, call them corrections just yet, but there was some speculation in that video that was very. I don't want to say that I was like too far off the mark, but I was off the mark of how things actually work behind the scenes there to an extent. And I am I'm looking forward to digging back in and finding more about the truth of uh, the story that I'm genuinely interesting in wanting to know the truth about. Because, oh man, someone in uh, my fan discord dropped a term that I love to refer to this subgenre. Of, uh, of, of, of games that are of question in this video that I recently did. And that, that is, that is half, half-life exploitation. Oh, oh, it sounds terrible when you say it out loud, but on, on text, it looks better, I promise you. But it nicely, I think, summarizes the, uh, style. Uh, also, what could potentially be the problem with the subgenre. So just and also kind of how engine. the business model works. Yeah, yeah, you can, um, 
Oh, presumably buy your way into playing around and exploiting the Half-Life IP. Or if you're also lucky and a different kind of mod project, you could negotiate your way into selling that stuff for free and on a special case basis without even having to go through some of the licensing costs that other developers do. Um, it's... Like I said in the video, it, it varies on a case-by-case -case basis on on a negotiation per negotiation basis that is uh, not <laughs> quite as consistent as I might have made it sound because I'm hearing about exceptions to what I thought were rules. And it's actually uh, really fun and enlightening going through this process. This is definitely one of the more um, insider-heavy, research-heavy stories I've done in a while. And it's uh, exciting. I wonder when it'll die down. Like, all those sort of source modding stuff. I, I don't mean die down. I mean, obviously, we had, like, when Team Fortress 2 was, like, at the pinnacle of multiplayer online Steam concurrent players. We had, you know, just endless amount of source filmmaker stuff and source engine based mods and stuff like that. It does seem to be a little more um, played out now. Like there isn't so much of it anymore. It's a shame. The engine is getting, you know, sort of old now. Very, very old. And, and it's uh, really kind of heartbreaking to see the modding community land in this sort of space when it's made some like genuine real art in the past stuff like uh the the robert yang radiator series and and gary's mod and um the stanley parable yeah. has yeah, somehow so. led to this being the 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 zenith of um source modding <laughs> oh no <laughs> i don't want it to end like this because i don't think valve is betting on a lot of source engine games getting licensed anymore they don't have much of an approval process for this sort of thing as evidenced by by hunt down the freeman slipping through the cracks and and kind of sort of making the worst of the very generous policies they've given to the fan gaming community there's got to be worse stuff than Hunt the Freeman, right? It's just that this particular oh, yeah. one cost a bit of money. I think that is the case, although, to be honest, that that answer... Yeah, it, it would change depending on who you ask. There's, there's another one that was very controversial called Prospect, which I briefly covered in the video. The quality of that is more or less on par with... Uh, 2004 vanilla Half-Life 2's assets from what I could tell based on a little bit of the gameplay walkthroughs that I skimmed through. There's, um... But the price for that is a lot lower. That's a $10. There's source mods distributed for free that look fishy that I've seen that that I, I, I just don't think I s remember seeing any get... <laughs> beyond like eight dollars mm, uh... there, there, there's there's definitely a line that's being crossed and i think uh another line that's being crossed is is one having to do with the way the game's being uh marketed and handling its publicity they unwittingly recruited youtubers 
for some voice lines in this game. Wh- who? Keemstar. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. Okay. No. <laughs> I kid you not. Keemstar voices the president of the United States. Did they get Logan Paul, too? I... I t- Somehow, maybe Logan Paul was able to see through their bullshit and (laughs) declined to answer the emails. Um, Okay, so the story goes that uh, several YouTubers, including Keemstar and and, and I Hate Everything, were contacted by the director of this video game to voice act for a video game without knowing the full exact details of how their voices and uh characters would be used like 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 keemstar ends up on a radio uh where where he gives an address to the nation comforting everyone in their time of despair and need because there's an alien invasion and it's played very seriously The camera is like cutting to a dusty old radio, a vintage like 80s style ghetto blaster inside of a a dusty basement as the camera rumbles as bombs crack overhead. And and you hear Keemstar being like, my fellow Americans, in our time of crisis, we must come together to overcome. And it's like, (laughs) it's it's like, like, you, I... People want to go ahead and jump for a point of a comparison to the room and say that this may be the the room of video games, but I wonder if um like the charming naivete of the room is there when when the tone of this thing seems like it's in a much more gritty, humorless place than both the Half-Life source material it's working with, and also the room. Like, the game begins with this opening cutscene in which Adrian Shepard, who is the main character protagonist of Half-Life Opposing Source, the expansion pack that Gearbox made in, I think, uh, 2000 or 1999, one of the years during the game's immediate launch, where, where Adrian Shepard, who, um, <laughs> makes friends with the police security guard officer named Barney, who's the fat side character comic relief guy adrian shepherd like wakes up as a child to find this bloody mess of, of of his parents lying in the kitchen as sad music plays in the background while it like cuts through a montage of him screwing his life up from this traumatic event of him witnessing a suicide of his parents at a young age oh it's like oh it's it's I don't use this word lightly, but it's gross. Oof. It's a gross script that got brought to life by talented source filmmaker artists who who deserved better first gigs. Because that's the other thing that's striking about this project, is that you can tell it had a budget. It had a budget all the way into the thousands of um, quality source filmmaker animation. It did look like pretty, as you said, it was questionable production, but it did look quite high production. And someone, someone knew what they were doing with the Source Engine, that's for sure. 
Someone, and, and the answer is that it's more likely that the source filmmaker animators that were outsourced to make those cutscenes had a better understanding of what to do with the source engine than the game's director, who outsourced out some very, like, quality, well-made assets. There's, there's some good animating in the game, but they were all slapped together on a project that has very... Very, very amateur for the price value um, that Sounds they're like selling Final it at, production 15. values. Hey, 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 oh, hey, no. hey, 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 hey. Oh, no. You know what happened last week, Matt. You know what the response was. I don't think anyone's going to be... a lot of tweets. I don't think, I don't think anyone's going to be this, like, hating towards you for Hunt the Freeman. Be like one dude. Well, I think I think my favorite response was someone who was mad that you didn't know or acknowledge that the game had post-game content. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So I'm supposed to watch movies, anime, and pay for extra content. I had Windows Edition, so I have it for free. But I'm I'm supposed to I'm supposed to play extra content, and that would fix the issue. Right yeah, of the, of the, like the game I played to the end, right? I'm supposed <laughs> to play the extra stuff. Are you kidding me? And it's no, a little bit. no, no. That's not the way it works. That's not the way it works. If you're gonna fix the game, you fix the game, and <laughs> not not add some pack that's supposed to fix the issues of the game. You can't fix what is broken with that story. Okay, okay. I'm I'm not I'm not I'm not I'm not it. it it's 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 a fine game. It's a fine game, ladies and gentlemen. Don't hate me. So would you, would you say which one you'd like more? Hunt the Freeman or Final Fantasy Fifteen? Final Fantasy Fifteen. I like Final Fantasy made me feel something. I, I, I'm I'm a, but you'd be paying you, less, and you were moaning about money. But I feel like I I look at Freeman and I'm like, mm mm. <laughs> it's about twenty two dollars. <laughs> That's not that's not something I want to go down. Uh uh-uh. uh, I I so, I. so would you uh, say it's a fine old fantasy game? <laughs> <laughs> what are these working eh? conditions you put us through? Eh. 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 Speaking of well, egregious yeah, puns. Oh, oh, you you have a game to talk about, Liam? No, go Matt. Ahead. I, th- I I feel like you have one, one with a with a naughty pun on the end. Oh, so no, 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 no. That's I. Uh, sorry, I I accidentally put a T there. Um, no, 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 you that. didn't. No, no, you N- didn't. Nino, a T in the title of what? Nino can can can. Nino Nino country. Oh, it's oh, Nino oh, country. Oh, oh my! Oh my! Oh my God! Cooney. I mean, sorry. sorry. I'm gonna Cooney. Die, Nino Cooney. Um, two. I pl- I played that game. That game, but first, I but have first. that game. I have that game, but I have not even been able to play it yet, which is making what? me sad as I want to play it. Well, let's. I'm pretty sure a lot of people like it, so get your ass ready. Um, oh, sh- <laughs> but shit, first, Netflix, go. no chill. Uh, <gasps> Jessica Jones is all right, right? Right, Jessica Jones. Anybody watch Jessica Jones? Uh, first season. The okay. first season was like just Jessica Bones, right? Oh, hold up. Let me make sure that's not like a porn thing. <laughs> that might be copyrighted. Did I just like give somebody? I don't know, but you just started giving. No, no, it's it, not. So it's not a porn thing. We know Good. what you're doing. Uh, J- Jessica, yeah, 
the first season was like Jessica Bones, but the second season is like more of a like a it, it develops the character a little bit more. Um, it, it feels more like a show than it is our Marvel like not epic, but you know it, it just just like um, it feels like something big is happening in the world when you watch these Marvel. Um, um, shows i guess you can call them netflix shows um but this one feels like it was on tv compared <laughs> you know it's, it's just like oh okay this is the next episode of what jessica's happening in you know jessica's personal life you know that that's kind of how it feels like it's good though i i think i think i think i enjoyed i i definitely think it's not gonna be the last season it might be like working up to like a third season but I, I thought it, I thought it was thought it was alright. So check that out if you like some some Marvel and you thought like the first season was just like just rough, just you know. Well, Doctor Who was great, but just rough sex all the time, constantly. Wait, Doctor Who? Hang on, I know you just mentioned rough sex, but what does Doctor Who have to do with this? Doctor Who was in it, really? David Tennant. Dave, David Tennant, yeah, old old yeah, nice. David. Yeah. Oh, which people consider the best, but <laughs> whatever. Um, <clears throat> Nino Cooney, I, I, ooh, it's in my brain. Nino Cooney is in my brain. Um, it's, oh my, I, I knew I, going, I, going into this that it was going to be like a, like a little kitty, and it is, it is, it's kitty, and it's cheesy as hell. It's what I call like the Chuck E. Cheese genre. You know, you know, you, you got your kids, and you got your just mountains of cheese it feels it feels it's a i quite like it i quite like it i don't i don't think it's everyone's kind of huh i i i feel like um you you had me expecting you uh to to not quite like it it, because yeah no yeah yeah with an intro like that i mean the chucky cheese Ooh, mountains of cheese very mm. oh it's 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 ooh, it's it's cheesy my friend if you don't like cheesy you might want to stay clear like like the worst part is because they they kind of address things they're they're smart with especially in the beginning they explain things properly um, like for instance, like the kingmakers or whatnot. Um, it's like, oh, I'm a king, and now I have to go get a kingmaker. And I'm like, wait a minute, weren't you already a king? And like, they actually say that, and they actually explain that. So there's a lot of that. So it feels smoother. It, it doesn't feel like it was half-assed. You know, it's meant to be kind of kitty or cheesy, um, and I'm fine with that. The thing that sucks, though, is that you get to a lot of quests where even in the main quest, um, mostly in the main quest, where you talk to someone and they're like, oh, yeah, I can help you with that. But first, and they like make fun of it, but making fun of it doesn't change the fact that you have to go do something so stupid. You know, go kill this, go kill that and then come back. Yeah, it's 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 very interesting. So that, I, I that, think that's that sounds... probably like the worst part of the game and it kind of um waters down the story a bit would Um, you describe that as postmodern and weird what do you mean well i I, I was just like flipping through some old podcast uh titles last night when um when 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 updating them for the new uh second channel reveal and and i remember one of one of 
my devil's advocacy moments was when I was arguing about how frustrating it was that everything was so postmodern and weird these days. And that's, uh, that self-awareness is what I'm, what I was talking about, mm. how, how things will like make fun of the tropes that they're falling into. And they'll like try to think that that's an excuse to get away with what they end up relying on because they're still not creative enough to get away from it. Like, uh, like, like, it's like Borderlands humor, I guess, is, is what that attitude kind of strikes me mm. as being like, oh, I'm going to make fun of how tedious and unnecessary and annoying the side quest is while making you go run this Do tedious, it. annoying, unnecessary side quest. It's almost like filler. Um, because a lot of the quests, they're like, okay, go, because you have to get citizens for your kingdom or whatever. Uh, I guess slight spoilers, uh, but I mean, you're, you're a king or whatever. But yeah, because I've heard this part of the game is like one of the best, better aspects, like this kingdom building thing. And, and you have to get citizens for that kingdom. But in order okay. to do that, you have to do side quests to get those citizens. And the way you do that is you talk to them, they say some stuff. And they tell you to, some of them are just like, oh, go kill three of these. Like that's, and, and, you know, I'm okay with doing it because I kind of enjoy the combat, <laughs> but it still, it still feels like filler. You know, sometimes you get like some really good ones, like, um, because um, they all have like a trait that they have, you know, they're yeah. someone's an armor, like an someone's a, a weapon that will like, improve your kingdom, right? Yeah. Something. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, I get it like, okay, the weapon guy wants to get a couple steel to make the sword for blah, blah, blah. Like, it would be nice to be like, okay, I'm going to make this sword um, to see if I can do it and then, you know, go to your kingdom. Like, it, it, some of it is just kind of like, okay, you're just making me do stuff. And they, they address it so many times and it's it, it pisses me off just a, just a tad bit i'm like ah, whatever i'll just i'll just you know go through it real quick and get it done because it doesn't take too long it takes two seconds but why do it in the first place why not do something creative with it um but i mean that, that's kind of like i would say that's like the major thing that's wrong with it so far i've only played like a good 10 15 hours of it so i don't know how the rest of the game is um but so far i you know the game looks good the action combat they they, they went away from that turn-based stuff i'm i'm not a fan of turn-based nowadays it just well, so doesn't feel as satisfying to me are, as. are they are they doing the like kingdom hearts ff12 thing now um yeah it kind of is like Kingdom Hearts FF. Um, That's what FF it's 15, all coming down to, isn't it? Where yeah. where <laughs> where the weapons come and disappear because you have this ring that holds everything in. Uh, it's very interesting. I was like, wow, this is kind of like Fantasy Fifteen and Kingdom Hearts. You know, you got your Keyblade or whatever. Um, yeah, it, it's simple. You got light in heavy attacks and it changes based on the direction where you're pointing the stick and then if you're on the ground or up in the air you can do some like pretty cool combos and feel satisfied and you guys like skills that change and you can stun opponents it's it's fun it's 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 good fun it's simple uh they add some they add some uh 
like a monster hunting to it as well. And later you uh, you unlock this like tactic uh, menu that you can uh, spend your points. When people level up, you get points and you can spend it on like resistance to certain types of monsters that you can switch at any time because you only get, if you put a resistance into light, then you're going to have um, less attack for dark, for instance, like that. Like dark, dark will um, be able to hit you more. So there's like a balance there for everything. Um, so it's not just playing like, oh, you get these bonuses. No, it takes something away as well. And that happens with uh, damage boosts, um, uh, resistances, and like XP boosts or rare materials or stuff like that. And you can just go do it through all this tactic menu. It's like cool stuff like that. And it's like simple to understand. Like you, you go in there, you don't have to, you know, pull up a wiki and be like, okay, <laughs> what do I do? What, like, what, I don't understand this system. It, it's simple. You never have to pull out a wiki for this game uh, so far anyway. And it's fun. I, I gotta, I gotta say, it's it's worth a, it's it's definitely worth a try if you if you want some kitty kitty kitty. I mean kitty guys. RPG. I'm okay with that. Like I'm, I'm personally okay with that. I really don't mind. I've watched quite a few videos on it now and watched reviews for it, and I'm, I like the first game, and I'm heard that this game is probably better overall than the first game. I can mm. deal with the kitty, you know, Ghibli stuff. It's cool with me. Yeah. You know, I'm a fan and, of the Pokemon games and that sort of... I mean, I can stand, you know, that sort of almost patronizing level of writing to a child. Yeah. It's, it's refreshing as an adult, actually, yeah. I, I feel. Anyways, I, can, like, I can get with that. And the combat looks really fun. Like, it kind of does look like is. Final Fantasy 15 a little bit, though. Yeah, like it does. Hacking and slashing and stuff. Um, it's like a better version yeah. of it. Guess guess what? Guess what? What <laughs> happens when you can go pick up something? You just walk right over it. You don't have you don't have to jump in the air a couple times <laughs> to pick up a damn freaking thing off the floor. No, it just freaking works. <gasps> I was about to say that I really like how much happier you sound about this in comparison to FF15, yeah, and you yeah. played because them both back to back. It's a so. Game. It's a finished oh, game. No. <laughs> oh. Okay. All right. Uh, <laughs> all right. I'm going to calm down. I'm going to sit in my corner. Go ahead, guys. <laughs> I wonder if there's just like such high pressure and high expectations for AAA franchises like Final Fantasy that it causes a kind of a, uh, imposter syndrome that results in people wanting to take a longer time and doubt themselves for every every feature and aspect that they put into these projects compared to franchises that don't have as high an expectation to prove themselves with like Nino Kuni in comparison to Final Fantasy I don't, I don't know whether it's that because Nino Kuni got delayed multiple times as well like Nino Kuni was what announced in 2013 Nino Kuni 2 wait the second one or the yeah oh the second okay yeah this is yeah this was 2013. This game was like wow. Wait, announced seriously? after after the first game got released. That's yeah, it was quite pretty a while. Se- I, uh, maybe it wasn't that early, but it, it was in development for like four years. Like, and it got delayed quite a few times. And I think there's a lot of comparison videos between like its E3 showing and over the years and what it looks like now. Like a lot has changed in that game. Um, Final Fantasy 15 is just like a special case where, you know, 
that had a long and story development. I imagine, you know, level five, they're a big studio. They're not as big as Square Enix, but they're probably under the same pressures as Square Enix to, you know, make a, you know, triple A huge RPG that is going to sell a lot. I remember Nino Kuni one, I think sold like 1.5 million copies, which for, you know, a brand new IP and also a Japanese RPG was amazing. But, yeah, level I mean, five are a big studio. Hmm. So. Exactly. That's like game, a mainstream. Like, that. like that's you good. People. Yeah, but you you still it's still a normies JRPG. know what that is. It's still a JRPG. Yeah. Like that doesn't change that. Oh, I also want to mention for people who think that there's gonna be a lot of voice acting. No, there's just like little pieces, just like little pieces for you to. Um, like during the talking, um, it's going to be mostly text and then you'll see them say like a word or two to kind of get you in the, I guess, get in your brain how they sound like. And then there'll be like little slips of cutscenes in between like certain characters, uh, to get you to understand like how they are and, um, um, I guess give you a, a well-rounded feel for a new character. Um, so don't expect like full on voice acting just to let you know, you're going to be reading. I know some people don't like reading, <laughs> so you're going to be reading. <laughs> oh, I, I good. I actually prefer reading. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. There, there's yeah. pros and cons to that. Like if you, if you're going to hire bad voice actors, I'd rather read. <laughs> if, you, if you got some good voice actors, I don't mind. I don't mind. And, and, but the thing is just like limitations, like if they want to change the story or anything like that, they can't, you know, they already got the voice acting done. That's, that's, that's um, the big deal. Yeah. Like it, it ends up hurting the story a lot more. Yeah. There's, there's so much, so much there, but yeah. Um, I, I'm looking forward to playing it. Like when I get back from Korea, hopefully, I can just like dig deep into Nino Kuni for a few weeks, and we can it, it's talk to, more positively to about JRPG. Yeah, it's not depressing. It's 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 good stuff, you know. Yeah. A little so, Liam, have you uh, have you been been chipping away at anything? Unfortunately, not this week. No, I have not because of being away. But one thing I have been doing recently, quite a lot, is I've been playing Magic again. The I'm Gathering. Go- I've fallen hard back into Magic: The Gathering with some friends of mine here in Okayama. And where did people go to do that in Japan? Oh, Magic: The Gathering is huge in Japan. It's so huge. you like see it around restaurants? No, like, like just card shops. Oh, there's a lot. Of they shops. are a thing. Like you yeah. know, Japan is archaic, man. We still have you know arcades and we have card shops. There are card shops everywhere in Japan, even yeah. in small cities. You know, like Vanguard and Yu-Gi-Oh! and uh, Vixvoss and uh, what's the other popular one? Jewel Monsters. You know, and then Magic is like next to Yu-Gi-Oh! probably and Vanguard, like number one in Japan. It's huge here. Yeah, yeah. Come to think of it, I remember the shop that uh, you took me to um, in Dindin Town had that huge card game shop section. It was like kind of behind the counter ish. Yeah, yeah. There is um I, I think Osaka is like one of the 
best places for magic. Like there are, there's like a certain areas of Dendon Town that are just card shops, and there's like even like card shops just dedicated to magic. So, yeah. But I've been f- playing with some English speaking friends of mine, and we've been playing with some old cards that we all had, and we've fallen into the hype and everyone is like going to card shops every day looking for singles and buying like really expensive cards and stuff but we've been playing we've been meeting up quite regularly to play that so like in, in the free time i've had recently to do anything i've been like going into the city and playing some few games of magic and it's been so much fun because the, the one thing about being in japan is like you know we had we have this like huge craze of people playing board games a lot more these days and we have like board game communities and stuff like that. Whereas in Japan, it just doesn't exist. So stuff like D&D and um, playing games like Dead of Winter or House on the Haunted Hill and Mysterium and and stuff like that just doesn't happen in Japan. Uh, Card games is the alternative. So I haven't played like any physical stuff in a while. Like, you know, sitting around a table and just like have a good game of something um, that isn't like a video game or something. So, like, having the physical cards and playing with friends in, like, a public place and just having, like, a good laugh and making decks and stuff has been, like, really, really refreshing. Um, I'm still really bad at magic. Like, I used to play a little bit, like, when I was a teenager and then when I worked at Rockstar, there was, like, a couple of guys who used to play. But this is, like, maybe the hardest I've ever fallen into it in terms of, like, oh, I want to craft decks and I want to buy cards and I'm watching lots of magic YouTube stuff. And it's, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool, man. What about you? Do you guys play magic? Any, you two? Uh, no. No, I I have addiction, addiction, an addiction problem. If I, I have play a card game, quality. I will play it. <laughs> and I will be homeless. So... I think it's smart to stay away. I still got I, like, a, that is a understandable. Full book I have Pokemon. I have cards, one so. friend. I have one friend here who has also fallen hard into it with us, and he has proceeded to uh, pretty much spend all of his uh, wages on cards. I think he spent like five hundred dollars last oh, week no. alone on cards, and I'm oh, like, no. man, if I spend fifty dollars, I'm I think I'm crazy. So. Oh no! Yeah, I can I can see why you'd stay far away, um, but yeah, I'm really enjoying yeah. it. I'm, I've been reading like I did the same thing I do with everything, which is like once I get into it, I start reading about like the the design of it and the breakdown. So the guy who like designs like he's like the head designer for Wizards of the Coast on Magic. Can't remember his name, Mark something, but he has like a like a blog on the Wizards of the Coast website for Magic. And it, like, breaks down the design of all the cards and stuff and, like, why they decide certain things in the game and how they decide decided card's value, uh, contribute to its rarity, and also, um, like, generally what its, like, flavor is. And there's so much that goes into a single card. And to think there's 18,000 different cards is... It's quite incredible. So I've been like just sort of surrounding myself in Magic the Gathering at the moment, which is so much fun. It's super refreshing. So I'm I've been playing that. I'm gonna play it tomorrow before I uh, head off to Korea, and then um, yeah, I don't I, I don't know why I'm so enthusiastic about Magic at the moment. There's probably like uh, so many people listening to this who've been playing Magic for like 20 years, and they're like. 
what the fuck? Like, I remember those days. I remember well, being enthusiastic about this thing that's just like a normal part of my life now. Man, it's, thing that it's good fun. I, I, oh, sorry, sorry. No, go go ahead. Oh, I, I, I was just going to ask about those uh, 18,000 cards that you yes. mentioned. Like, the game has been around for so long. There's so many cards out. How the hell... Do they like balance it? Balance and, and patch it. The and next manage one. magic for the modern era when there's so many legacy features. Like the, so the next pack gets deleted out, right? Or not? No, no, no. So no. So what happens is magic has different formats. So you have modern and standard, which are pretty much the the two main ones. Standard is like a certain amount of sets that are the current meta right almost not the not the current meta but they are the current sets that are maybe six of the most six of the most recently released sets so you can make decks to qualify for standard that exist with exist from cards in those sets okay so that probably goes back to maybe 3 years of magic in total so cards from three years of sets. And then you have Modern, which expands upon that to maybe eight years. I don't know, it's probably further. I don't know the full details of it, but Modern is like a lot more sets. And then you have like Vintage, which is like basically every card that ever existed in any set. And you can do whatever the hell you like. But then there are different types of game formats. So you have, you know, Constructed, which is a... 60 card deck which is pretty much the most popular format of magic you have limited where you have certain imposed rules mm. maybe you are you you can only play cards from one set of magic or you can only play cards that have flying monsters or you can only play cards um in a 40 card deck or something like that and you have commander which is a hundred cards deck and you have like one character card that is like your commander and it has certain abilities that sort of break the game a little bit that tie into a theme so there are like lots of different elements to magic that you can play and like if you don't like constructed and you don't like that sort of format you can play like multiplayer games like two-headed giant or two on two and there are magic is weird it's like I can't see games like Hearthstone and even like maybe, uh, you know, Artifact that's coming out being able to modify itself to do this yet because it doesn't have like the the storied tested history that Magic has. Like Magic has variety on its side. And this is probably why I like Magic so much compared to like Hearthstone, which is a game I, I reached Legendary on back in the day and got so... I've spent a lot of money on that game. Um... Because with the idea of all these different formats and all these different game types, is there's like no end to like experimentation with like making decks or um, just like oh, I really like playing red, green. At the moment, like my deck is red green dinosaurs because dinosaurs have a cool mechanic where if they take damage, they deal like an effect. So my deck is like all dinosaurs. It's like, cool, I can play with a dino deck. But at the same time, I could also play with like a deck full of vampires that come back from the graveyard. Whereas in games like Hearthstone, you have to follow the meta because the cards, the amount of cards is so limited. There is a already like, uh, it's like hyper competitive. So, you know, you play it 
online. You can play with friends, but even then, it's still like in an online gaming setting. So it's really competitive. It's an esport essentially. So there is like decks that win. Whereas in Magic, is like when you're casually just playing with friends, you're like, hey, let's play limited, and we can only make a deck full of pirates. So you look through all your cards and you just find every pirate you can. You stick them together. You take like a few artifacts and enchantments and stuff. And then you just kind of just experiment a little bit. Your deck might be crap, but it might be f- it'll be fun to play because everyone's playing pirates. So I don't know what it is about Magic, but it just has the, all this variety to it and all this sort of experimentation that at the moment I'm just really enjoying. It's just a lot of fun to play around with physical cards. I feel like a 10-year-old again. Just buying booster packs, like I'm buying Pokemon cards. It's awesome. Please play Magic. I like. I like how uh, friendly and and affable the sense of competition seems. Yeah, like uh, this game in person versus over the internet. It it definitely is different. Like I quit Hearthstone because I couldn't deal. I, I. I I just had to stop playing Hearthstone because at the time it was stressing me out if I dropped a rank. Like, it took me maybe two weeks to reach Legendary in that game. This was, like, 2013, so it was only, like, maybe a few sets of cards had come out. Like, I think it was, like, Naxxramas or the set after that. And it was stressing me out when I would lose games and I would drop my rank because it was so hyper-competitive. Like, everyone, everything I was reading was about how you can improve or like this is the deck that's winning everyone is playing that same deck like a death warlock or whatever it was and face hunter just everyone's playing the same deck so you see the same stuff happen all the time and everyone's just getting trying to get the upper hand on each other by i don't know luck of the hand it was just i was stressing out (laughs) whereas in magic like the games i've been playing with my friends just it's cool it's like you do something cool like a combo like when I have my dinosaurs and I play a card that deals damage to all of them, like all of their little effects go off and they all do little different things and it's exciting. And, you know, no one else is playing dinosaur decks because they've all got, you know, pirates and vampires right now or... Um, How cliche. hearing dinosaur dick. That's what dinosaur dick. You, that's what you wish you were hearing. <laughs> You're dirty like that, Matt. But no, just that would, yeah. That would I don't be want to, a good to hyper- I don't have. want to hyper- hyperbole, hyperbole anymore about magic. But I just I'm really enjoying it because it it seems all fresh and new. And there's a new set coming out in April, so we'll have all new cards for Magic's 25th anniversary. And yeah, get your fuck yeah, magic! Head. It's magic. <laughs> Play gif of guy saying magic, magic, magic. I I always wondered if there was like a real a real reason, a real explanation behind why they're called magic cards because you can do magic tricks with cards and that always like kind of threw me off as a kid. I was like, "Oh, are they figuring out illusionist tricks with these cards?" Or no, really. I I was I typically knew the difference. Anyways, just before uh people assumed it was it was about to get that bad. I uh, wanted to bring us <laughs> a little bit of coherency before before we continue this train wreck on and in a minute after a little bathroom break. But, if you, but, 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 but just before we go away, if uh, anyone is playing Magic and has been playing Magic for years, 
Email Dan and Sons Podcast and tell me how to get better because I would like to get better. Spend more money. I, I, I feel like Magic the Gathering might be a pay-to-win game. I feel like I can't afford 18,000 cards. Somewhere if around you had, there is going to end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's going to be so dead. Straight into like the whatever. I'm going to go pee. Greetings, people of March 2010. Kevin Butler here coming to you from the future. That's right. All the way from November 2010. Let me tell you, the future is crazy. We all eat our food through straws. And we're all still reeling from the shocking end of the baseball season. That's right, Kansas City in six, so call your bookie. And of course, the arrival of the future of gaming, the PlayStation Move, which has been an incredible success, so thank you. This thing's about as futuristic or now-eristic as it gets. You've got the controller and a camera with microphones working together to give you total control over your gaming experience. Not just like this but this way too. As you can see, the PlayStation Move allows us to immerse players in the game like never before. I'd love to tell you more, but I'd hate to cause a rift in the whole space-time continuum thing. Believe me, that gets messy. Oh, and if you happen to run into the present-day me, please tell me to avoid the Cinco de Mayo flan. Hello, and welcome Hello. Hey. to the Dad and Sons podcast. We're back again. <laughs> we it's are here to bring you some news. For your ears, George, take us away. Just, just, just for your ears, not, not for your other parts. No, not for the other parts. Even Is there a way so, they can experience Dan the Suns through another part of their body? Plastic stuff. I hope not. Wait, yeah. what? <laughs> We're selling our own Dan and Sons plastic stuff. <laughs> it's like We're, giant. We're, selling a, We're selling our own Dan and Sons. Alcock memorabilia. <laughs> what is dad cock, the shape of, Liam? <laughs> uh, no, I'll I'll let you. The Great American Alcock. <laughs> <laughs> he was from Canada. <laughs> so when 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 combing for a lot of news stories this week, I um. I, I didn't exactly find any 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 shocking <clears throat> shocking fun controversial scandals so much as a uh, a couple a couple of bits about GDC talks the uh, union panel was kind of a disaster but but what, what I thought we could get good arguing about was um, Mike Rose's talk on uh, Steam indie sales figures not quite being what they used to be he is a guy who works at a publisher um that put out a downhill bicycle racing game called descenders and uh he did a survey crunched some numbers and um has calculated that the average game on Steam sells about 2,000 copies and makes about $12,500 in revenue during the first month, about 30000 in its first year. Uh, uh, um, for those who don't know, that number is, is just, just ever so slightly livable in the U.S. Um, and he's coming to those figures because he sees 40 games launch a day and about 82% of those sell so poorly 
that they don't make their publishers minimum wage. See, it's funny because I read this article and I, I follow Mike on Twitter and I know about him anyway. And I, I read the article and I was thinking, man, if I sold my game that eventually will hit Steam and I made $12,000, for me, I'd be like, that's a fucking success. <laughs> yeah. I'd be like, no, I have $12,000 in the bank for something I was doing in my spare time. I was like, if that's the average. But but I mean that's that's you doing that thing in your spare time. The the idea of you know professional games development is that you trade your time. Forty studios a day releasing forty games, expecting that they're going to make a living. Yeah, I don't know if that's a problem. Oh no no no! This is the counterpoint to uh, the something I said in the video. And uh, actually, I, I believe on last week's podcast as well, there was some uh, discussion. They got some comments about it. But the idea of Steam getting flooded with garbage games is a problem that doesn't necessarily offend me so much as a consumer because it's very easy to avoid them and look up reviews. However, for people who are developers, they very, very much dislike how much harder it is to stick out and yeah. make good sales from yeah. being on Steam. And that's that's this problem that Mike Rose is hashing out. How how it is flooded with so many games that um, a lot of them get lost in the pile, and that you basically have to have some kind of uh, marketing campaign going nowadays. You either need a successful hit behind you to get a marketing campaign that that had a marketing campaign going for it, and then you can. Sell something that's just like good gameplay by itself, like Into the Breach. But I have to wonder if Into the Breach would have done as well as it did if it wasn't brought to you by the makers of FTL, which uh, employs a much more novel style of both humor and gameplay to the point where it was kind of a, a, a viral hit. What I'm saying is that small indie games need to spend more money on marketing than they did before, and that's a hurdle that they did not have to jump when Steam wasn't flooded with garbage games. I don't know how Steam is going to revert that, though, because what is it now? We don't have Greenlight anymore. We have, you pay $100, and then you can have your game on Steam, no matter what it is, really. Because Greenlight was exploitable in the first place. If not by the simple fact that getting 100 fans to vote yes on something at no consequence to themselves is not that hard to do. And secondly, because there was also no natural countermeasure in place to uh, dissuade bot voting. <sighs> Yeah, but isn't just paying $100 just as exploitable? I mean, $100 really, in terms of if you're selling yep. a game for like $5, you need to sell, you know, 20 copies, which is a lot. But $100 bucks is quite easy. You just pay that and oh, my game's on Steam. Yep, yep, you're good. $100 is the cost of like a video game and a half. It's... It's not that high of a hurdle to accomplish, and there's no easy way out, and no one likes the current situation that Valve has going. I don't think Valve themselves like the current situation Valve has going, and, and what Mike Rose points out is that <laughs> in either direction that they go, people are going to complain and someone's going to get burned. If Valve is a walled garden, then they're going to be excluding games that deserve good publishing and good coverage from from the exposure that they'd get 
from being on Steam. But if Valve opens up and and makes Steam more of an open marketplace, now the indie game community is uh, suffering from from it being too open and mm. and drowning them out in the pile of of crap games instead of excluding the good games. Yeah. It's just like the App Store thing all over again, isn't it? It's slowly becoming like that. But while they are doing this and opening it up t- so gapingly wide that all of the uh, all all of these quick ports and asset flips and and bottom budgeted uh, uh, visual novels are getting shoveled out onto there, the AAA games still are not going anywhere else because there is nowhere else, and that's what I think is. Yeah, that's what I think makes the difference between Steam and the App Store is that a premium mobile game will oftentimes need to be its own. Well, aren't there some harsh software limitations for putting games on the App Store, which sometimes requires you to go through roundabout alternate apps through like the Amazon uh, app downloader instead to to download a game higher than and what what is the megabyte limit on on android these days i think it's 80 something i don't know for sure and there's probably a developer listening to this who will who would know the number off the top of their head but it's a small number yeah i don't i don't know i've never heard of that um there are size and hosting storage space limitations for putting a game on the mobile app stores that i think are not a gate keeping stuff out on steam and since you can still go to Steam as your one-stop shop for basically all the AAA games from the major publishers, I don't know how bad of a problem it truly is that all the garbage is getting put out on Steam in the process, and that indie game developers do have to work harder to fight for the spotlight. Yeah, there was a time when... Braid and Super Meat Boy could dominate because still Steam was dominated by AAA games. And it is harder now. Um, it's it's weird. As someone who wants to release a game on Steam eventually, I do at times feel like um, it's pointless because you're never going to get notice. And, but I'm then what's your other options? I'm I'm surprised at how cool you seem to be. Well, it's because uh, I'm already defeated. I'm oh, <laughs> oh. I'm already God, like I'm, I'm a monster. No, it's it's I'm I'm already accepting of these facts that I already know about Steam. So when I hear Mike Rose say, "Oh yeah, the average game earns twelve thousand, I'll be like, "Fuck yes!" Like I'm okay with that if that's the average. Like. <laughs> Yeah, I'm defeated in. Oh, but but be advised that average is going to be brought down by a lot of those games that don't make any money at all. Which actually, come to think about it, shouldn't be good news for you. I don't. I don't know because yeah, yeah, mine yeah. could full because well that, be the ab- game that doesn't make any doesn't make any money. Like Garfield Kart. Like like Garfield Kart is just, is just a novelty money game. But if you go to the Steam new releases section, like there's just complete unknowns who will always be unknown who will never make any sales that are bringing down that number to 12,500. Hmm. I don't know. Well, we'll have to see. Maybe I can report back personally, by maybe the summer yeah, or yeah. something. You, you <laughs> might actually have better experiences. Micros might actually be getting your hopes down. 
well, that would be But incredible. I don't want to get your hopes up. No, but that's the thing is I'm already... I would just be releasing it because I've finished it. I'm not expecting to make any money from it. I'm certainly not expecting to recoup the development costs of all the Starbucks caramel frappuccinos I had to buy to push me through it and demonstrating it at festivals and stuff like that. But, you know, it's... Caramel. You're releasing a game and you're an unknown developer who's making that first game. It's like... Kind of. What do you expect, really? You're not gonna. You're not gonna stand out, unless you make like Super Meat Boy or Braid or something like that. But that was a different time. So, yeah. Liam, I say yeah. drop Salary Man and look at the first game that just got released, The Alchemist of the Mysterious Paintings. Okay. Look at that. Look at that. All anime girls in 3D. Yeah. Okay. People already bought it. It just got released. Already got 14 reviews. Already. Oof. Just got, just got, you know. You, you know it. So I just need to <laughs> exploit, you... exploit that shit. Exploit it, man. Exploit it. Exploit it hard. Exploit the sexy anime girls. Don't work hard. That... Work smart. <laughs> Who says I'm even working oh hard? Oh my god. <laughs> it's got that, that, that sexual content tag. Yeah. It does it? Every, everything. Wait, swords of verity? Swords don't automatically mean sexual contact, George. Oh, sounds of verity, I mean, that is. Contact, sorry, sorry. Contact. <laughs> Context is important. Yes, yes. Well, there you go. Well, make, make a game we'll on see. Steam. Give Salaryman the sexual content tag. Yeah. <laughs> So that it'll show up and everyone's searching. Or, you, like, won't you just do it, go the YouTube way and just put, like, an arrow pointing at something in your thumbnail? <laughs> so you look like <laughs> oh, my God. We have, oh, we still have yet to scratch the bottom of the barrel. Yeah, Because dude. <laughs> the little, like, thumbnail art on the Steam store has not gotten that bad. Yeah, it's man. not gotten YouTube bad. We could be the first. We could pioneer the crass generation oh, of no. Steam games that have eye-catching, vomit-inducing thumbnails. Yeah, mm. and in like one corner of the thumbnail is a giant face screaming at the boobs in the other corner of the thumbnail, yeah. which will have a bunch of bright, flashy arrows pointing at them. Yeah. In in the background, or like I don't know, like like uh, scenes of a protest gone wrong, <laughs> just like everything that makes you want to click on on something, yes. all in one image and on the every, Steam store. Every game with preview, the sexual content tag. Like, every screenshot game preview that is meant to be like a screenshot of the game is just another thumbnail, just another clickbait thumbnail. So you have Liam, no choice. But to buy it to find out. <laughs> How are you not a millionaire? I know, right? As Matt <laughs> we said, figured get out on that. Someone's going to steal that. Get on it. Works so, not, um, not hard. Do you guys want to jump to letters? We should. Because we, we we've we've gone on for a while and we got a lot of letters. We we oh, got we got really? mail, paper mail, like yeah, um um flopping in. In the offices here in the studio. (laughs) 
So um, let me let me let me just sort through all these envelopes that arrived. Freaking here hell! Our, I knew um, there was a Metal Gear question box. in here. Jesus Christ! Ahem, ahem, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. But uh, on the way, it's it's got Matt a twist in, on that, so it's fine. Matt in sent, sent sent in a uh, comment, suggestion, or thought to Dad and Sons Podcast at Gmail that reads: Being a huge fan fan be not being a huge man being a huge fan being a huge fan of the mega man legends games myself <laughs> although i see now how i made that mistake do you guys have any games or series or genres that you feel need to come back could either be because the series ended on a narrative cliffhanger or because you have a strong nostalgia for something from the past hmm. snowboard kids good 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 answer snowboard I, kids no seriously uh, snowboard so kids. many I but one and I'm, two I'm, on the N64 I'm serious about were amazing. It being a good answer. Yes, it is a good answer. Bring it back. Bring Snowboard Kids back. It'll probably be bad, and I haven't played it since I was about fifteen. But please bring Snowboard Kids back. That is one of the games that, as Matt has put in terms of like nostalgia, that you want to come back. Snowboard Kids on the Nintendo sixty four was like a sports game I adored, mm. and it's made by Atlas. Atlas, they, you know, they make Persona, they make good games. Let them make, like, a cartoony anime snowboard game again. Please. I'm begging you. Is it is it stupid to ask for D.D. Kong Racing? <laughs> God damn, I love that game. <laughs> you reminded me of it when you said 64. I was like, nah, D.D. Kong Racing took up most of my time. It was right up there with Mario 64, completing that game a couple times. There was like Jeez. a lot, t- talking about it, there actually, I've only just realized this, there was a lot of like third party games on the Nintendo 64 that were like highly praised and reviewed and uh, sits in everyone's nostalgia quite highly, but have never had like preceding games afterwards, like Diddy Kong Racing, Snowboard Kids, uh, do, you know, do you remember Mischief Makers? Where no. they had like the shake, yes. shake, 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 the puzzle game. Yeah. Yeah, that. Holy crap. Scars Racing. That was where they had like animal based cars that were racing. That was a lot of fun. I never saw the light. I think that was made by Ubisoft back in the day as well. That never saw a sequel. N64. Yeah. Little games I, went to die. I have a real dangerous stupid answer and and that is the tony hawks pro skater like series or just ethos or like trend how would you do it because this is super important like would you make it just play like old tony hawks games like tony hawks pro skater 2 and 3 or would you have it like skate where the mechanics are amazing feel like there would have to be some reinventing as skate has shown in order to make it work in the modern era, but I feel like there's a real sore spot missing without having a, um, <laughs> like, a, a chill, like, non-violent action game that's still, like, fast-paced and, um, involving and kinetic and visceral, but but working with systems and, and, and scenarios that, that aren't combat-oriented. I and mean, skateboarding seems like like down, something that, but I would probably I like a new skate really more that satisfied that itch. I I think that's the thing. I say Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, but I think what I what I mean is that 
I, I'd want some extreme sport, like ex- creative expression game, like action sport stuff. action game yeah. that wouldn't, um, that, that is updated for the modern era <laughs> that's built with that kind of old ethos. There's, there's stuff they could do nowadays with like modern physics engines or, or like VR camera gimmicks that, I might be alone on this, but I would love to play Def Jam 2018. <laughs> like Kendrick Lamar, like freaking Amigo, like this is a bunch of these rappers and them being totally self-aware about like just the way they rap. And so, oh my God, I would love that. I would love that. Have some RM, maybe have like, the rappers against like the R and B people, just like, just like crazy video game world. I would love to see something like that. That would be crazy. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> Celebrity my... crossover fighting games are definitely an underexplored genre. Yeah, I I love that. I would love it. Something good though, not something like just like a movie game. I want someone really good to make it. So moving on, Matt N also Platinum says Steph Jam by Platinum. <laughs> <laughs> Where everyone is like, oh, is it too soon to Street say Fighter can we just Supers? Have, is it too soon to on the back of that? Is it too soon to just say can we have like four Vanquish sequels? Can we just have can we just have Vanquish two and three and four? Can we? I'm surprised we haven't. Because they don't make any money. They're like the best games ever. Like Bayonetta and Vanquish. And uh, even like the Wonderful 101. They just don't make any money. But I Vanquish hope, I seems like a Switch. series you could churn out. Oh, man. That game like, is like so just, just good. Throw handfuls of those. At, just, just grab like a handful of those enemies. Shake them up in your Yahtzee cup. Toss them out into a pile of Legos. There you go. You got you got a vanquish level. <laughs> Sorry. Um. Matt N continues. Uh, goes on to say, "Quote: Being a fan of Pokemon since childhood, the new Detective Pikachu game and upcoming film blow my mind. Are there any wild, wacky spin-offs you'd love to see from your favorite series? Like maybe a Monster Hunter photo safari simulator, <laughs> or a Metal Gear game where a sentient Metal Gear Rex moves to Hollywood in pursuit of stardom and rooms with a surly, recently divorced car mechanic named Roscoe." Oh snap! That okay. was specific, Matt. In that was that was very uh <laughs> very particular of a scenario. I'm pretty sure there's any, some anyways, thinking there. beyond that. Um hmm. let's see. I, I got one. I got one. And it's one that I've actually advocated before that I've said on my channel that might not even be wacky enough to be a good answer, but uh, a fallout town builder where you have to build uh, a, a town in the post-apocalyptic wasteland of the Fallout universe using scrapped-together materials. Yeah, because, like, Fallout 4 tickles this genre uh, in itself, and it actually works really well. It's the most compelling part of that game. It's more compelling than the uh, the actual quests they wrote for it and the, the, the loot grind loop they built for it, because a the, the story of a town in the Fallout universe is always a really compelling little side quest that deserves a spot on the ending scrolls of those games. And there has yet to be 
a good post-apocalyptic town builder that really explores that concept. Hmm. Like, uh, every town in the Fallout universe, like, has a history to it. Like, they are characters. Like, Novak in New Vegas and in New Vegas itself and uh, uh, Good Springs that you begin the game in all have their own history of how they they got on the map, got settled, and got a supply train going. And you could be... You could you could make those stories. Um, uh, maybe <sighs> Sea of Thieves, but actually a pirate game. Oh, um, too okay. soon, too soon, too soon. I'm trying to think what would be like. Oh, we could have. I would want like a. I mean, they're already kind of doing it with the Hokuto no Ken spinoff game, but like the Yakuza games with um. Kazuma Kiru, but putting Kiru in like very mundane Japanese situations where he has to do Japanese jobs, like working at Konbini. <laughs> like a Yakuza minigame collection? Yeah, essentially, like the Yakuza That's minigames. That's real cute, I like that. But in more, more mundane <laughs> shit. Oh my like, god. Basically, like, oh, like a rhythm Kazuma Tengoku. Where? Like a rhythm heaven, a rhythm Tengoku game. That is just Kiryu doing like mundane Japanese tasks to a, like a rhythm beat or something like that. That would be that would be amazing. I would I would buy that. I feel it. I feel it. The, I'd buy the, that. the faces, the backgrounds, the specials, the speed lines. Oh, I can see so many speed lines. Oh man, it would be so good. And him just like going into like a like a heat motion, and it would like just get crazy, <laughs> and it would just be like over the top Japanese mania <laughs> shit just appearing everywhere i would buy matt. that that would be good matt 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 uh, matt shoot i i honestly don't know like ah. i don't know like a mario dating sim like <laughs> <laughs> can you date bowser no that's like truly a like dart on the wall <laughs> can, you <laughs> can you date bowser Yes, absolutely. That's all about like Wait, no, everybody. No, 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 no. Can we can we change it from a Mario one to a Smash Brothers dating? <laughs> yeah, Ooh, yeah, yeah. That works. That works. Then can we do that? And then I can date Captain Falcon, which is you know my dream. So <laughs> you can find you, out you why he has... can punch you. <laughs> oh, dude, I wanted to fucking kick me right where it hurts. You might be able to finally realize why he has those little, like, nipple dots on his costume. I just want to take off his sunglasses. Or, like, uh, you know, slowly in a romantic way, underneath. peel back his sunglasses. Dude, I will get with Kirby. No doubt. Just be I'm careful pretty of, sure uh, she knows. Just, just be careful God, of... You're, Matt, you're going to you know? get me in huge trouble someday. <laughs> so uh we got another question from luke who doesn't want to reveal his surname uh luke says i got a question for the next episode good 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 surname luke good surname what is your opinion on rhythm games? Love them, hate them, never played them. Personally, I'm a huge fan of a lot of rhythm games, but as I live in Europe, where most never get a release, I'm stuck playing older imported home versions and simulators the most. P.S. Extra question for Liam. Is the rhythm game scene more prevalent in Japan due to the arcade culture there? Do you want me to answer that first, or do you want to answer the first question? 
I, I, I guess uh, let's 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 start with the the arcades in Japan. Okay, so I, yes, rhythm I'll games. I'll formulate the rest ridiculous. on the way. Ridiculous. Uh, rhythm games are the most popular games here uh, in uh, game centers. They are by far more popular than fighting games. They are way more popular than uh, the versus battle games, even though they're getting pretty popular with games like uh, Gundam versus and Dissidia and stuff like that, and uh, also Gunsphere Stratos or whatever it's called. Uh, but rhythm yeah. games. Right, rhythm games are way uh, by a country mile the most popular games in Japan. Games like Mai Mai, which is this game where you have a ring. It's like a big circular ring, uh, circular ring with buttons on it, and the screen is in the middle of the ring. And it's like uh, you can imagine, like Guitar Hero based uh, notes appear from the middle of the screen, and they fan out towards the buttons, and you have to hit them. Watching like a like a 15-year-old Japanese high school girl literally move faster than Sonic. Playing that yeah. game is just, like, magic. It's amazing. Yeah. Also, my my favorite is a, a game called Chunthium, which is, like, a sort of similar to Guitar Hero, but you use, like, a touch uh, keyboard, and you slide your fingers across the keyboard, and you do, like, you hit the notes in time and stuff like that. That game's amazing. And also you have like the older stuff like Beat Mania, DDR, Guitar Freaks, which is what Guitar is based off. By just rhythm games are just the they're the money makers here in Japan, massive. And yes, I love rhythm games. I really do. I really really like rhythm games. I never really got into them, and I'm. <laughs> I, I I'm sure I have a million different explanations why, but I don't think I think I think it does have something to do with how I don't really have that well developed of a taste in music in general. I have a hard time <laughs> developing a sense of rhythm. I have a hard time like picking out my favorite songs and bands and artists and whatnot. And I think it's because when I was in the third grade in elementary school, I signed up for band. I wanted to learn how to play the saxophone because I thought Bill Clinton was cool. But I had a really bad teacher who was abusive. And one day, the awful, the fucking terrible, like, like, suburban Atlanta... Suburban Atlanta Elementary School third grade band was bad. Go figure. But the teacher got so mad at us that he threw chairs at the crowd of kids oh who were like God. tearing up the, the sound with their instruments. And ever since then, I've just had like no sense of rhythm. <laughs> does does it, the sight of like a like a rhythm machine just does it feel like a chair is going to be thrown at you immediately? Is it like that bad? Well, is- no, but I'm wondering if if like me stumbling around these Japanese arcades, like, Matt, I don't know if you remember, but whenever I got on one of the music machines, like, stuff got awkward. Like, it would be a conversation ender. Yeah. You know, I can, like, talk my way through most situations in life, but the moment you put me on an arcade machine in Japan where I have to, like, press buttons to the beat of music, I just, I just, I just can't handle that situation. I, I blank out. I, I, I turn off. I go into standby mode. For, for me, I I just don't have enough time. I, I used to play Guitar Hero and Rock Band a long time ago. I had, like, the full set. It was fun with a couple of friends. But nowadays, like, oh, oh. my God, like, especially in Japan, there's no way I jumped on any of those, man. When you see those guys and girls just tearing I know. It's it depressing. Up, I mean, they're I've on got, a different got, level. That's the thing is, like, I've got to a point with, like, Chun Thim where... 
I am nowhere near as good as them, but I'm also not embarrassingly bad. I'm at least, like, pretty, pretty good, but compared to them, they're just robots. I don't know how the fuck they get that fast. Yo, yo, it, it I'm, I'm terrible compared. Um, it, it's like when you go to the gym and you're waiting for the, be- uh, the bench press and you see this guy, like, benching, like, 40,000 and you're like, you know, you're going to get on there. You're going to bench Goku. like 20 and, and you're like, you know what? You know what? Let somebody else, let somebody else play. Like let, let somebody else bench. Like this, I'm not going to do anything here. <laughs> it doesn't matter yeah, if you're so going to get better. It's just like, ah, so you, you walk up to Juju beat and you're like, excuse me one moment, sir. I don't have a card. So I have to play through the tutorial. <laughs> I was so sick of doing that that I actually did get an arcade card. That, that's like a, how they get you. I knew it. It costs like a hundred <laughs> yen, so like, it's not too bad. It's only a dollar. But and you will never see that hundred yen again. But yeah, like I only use the card now to skip the intros. I literally do not care for my progress whatsoever. Oh my god! I bet the time is actually worth a dollar. That, jeez, Louise. Anyways. Definitely, if you play often enough, it is. Uh, so, moving on, we got a question from David. David says, I was just listening to you guys talk about Denver brownies and eye crust when I realized something. All <laughs> video game related products have this fake badass tone about them. So, my question is, do you think this over-the-top fake badass gamer persona companies like Razer and Mountain Dew perpetuate is hurting the view of video games as a whole? Like, maybe it lessens their value as art and puts it more as a toy in many people's views. Is this the same case as in Japan? Anyways, I'm loving the podcast. Have a good rest of your day. Thanks, David. Uh, to answer your question, I would say, like, mild yes, maybe not really, because the the fight to see games as more of a legitimate traditionalist art form has been going on pretty darn well since i want to say like 2010 we had um this the court case in 2012 though. it does not help like that's that's why i say like mild yes because there's 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 push and pull in both directions i just feel like the pull towards directions of like legitimizing not legit i feel i don't like that word i maybe like maturing might be a better word like turning games into more of an adult oriented products and mediums is is a force that seems to be a little more stronger and a little more popular right now than the force of really like high-end um like 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 young adult late teen oriented uh motifs like like the razor mountain dew game fuel sort of aesthetic uh and secondly i i don't know if this is as big a thing in japan i was not getting the vibe in japan that games are well but there's still a razor stores yeah yeah yeah. there's the games are much more mainstream over there they market to to less 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 like young male of a demographic so a lot of the uh, aesthetics used in marketing tend to not quite hit the edge so hard though it still happens at the pc stores in akihabara like like pc gaming i think is selling that motif more so than most other forms of gaming anywhere you go in the world oh my god especially like 
when I was in Gamescom, PC gaming is is uh, a little more popular and a little more mainstream in a lot of European markets than in um, American and Japan. And in Gamescom, there were huge swaths of the show floor dedicated to PC part um, manufacturers, designers, like even like custom detail modding companies that that played up that aesthetic hard. So I'm wondering if that if that badass gamer aesthetic is more of a PC thing than it is a a, a Western thing or a, or an age demographic thing. No, no, it's 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 definitely all around because it's like Gears of War, Call of Duty, all that's like console, mostly console things right now. Anyway, oh like yeah, when they I go mean, to I was, the store I was to pick up a game. They're thinking they're hardware, that Call of Duty, Gears of War, that type of dark they, they brown, want to feel badass type of look and I, I i think hurting the view of video games as a whole is probably like maybe linked to you know what's going on now uh probably you know that that might i mean if everything was just like splatoon then it would be a joke for the case that people are making <laughs> making now about video games and violence so I don't know. Hey, Liam. How you, how you <laughs> I, I stewing mean, over there? I mean, I associate... I'm, I'm not being funny. I associate this sort of Razor, Dorito, Macho, Call of Duty, Culture, Bro video mm-hmm. game thing with America. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I do it. I do it. I yeah. don't yeah. really... The kind of games I play, like, I don't play those kind of games, so I don't really think about it too much. But I do think sometimes... Especially considering, like, I do, like, esports. Like, I like watching, like, professional League of Legends and stuff like that sometimes. And that, for a very long time, was completely clean of it. Because, obviously, no one wanted to advertise on that because no one thought it would make any money. But slowly it's being introduced into that, like, more traditional sports. But I don't think it's got to the point where it's obnoxiously, like, Call of Duty, buy Doritos and get your double XP pack right now. Because that kind of stuff I would just ignore because it doesn't appeal to me whatsoever. Um, so I think it does hurt the games industry a little bit. But then everyone just looks at it and is like, ah, that's super immature and childish. No one really cares. No one pays attention. It's the same as like watching. Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard like watching to take a, seriously. It's, it's like watching a G.I. Joe advert for kids, you know. It's like it's just <laughs> aimed towards kids. It's Although it's games that are featuring, you know, violence and stuff like that. But it's aimed towards kids. So, what are you going to do? I I feel like it'll phase out and go away eventually and nothing of value will really be lost and the world won't really need to be changed that much for it to happen and that it's just kind of a very... It will be remembered as emblematic of this age. Kind of like how obnoxious um, PC LED lights are like remembered as an obnoxious design trend of the like mid to late Audis. Yeah, and in like in terms of regards to his point about is it the same case in Japan? Absolutely not. Japan's image of video gamers is what your image of D and D players was in the eighties. <laughs> Just fat, sweaty nerds who oh, play really? inside all day. Yeah, that's Japan's view of video gamers. Otaku. What about inside versus uh, arcade? Because when we were at the arcades, like we saw a little bit of everything. Yeah, wow. like I didn't gamers see that nerd and feeling. game centers are different things 
to, that's to Japanese people. Yeah, different. that is not Game Senses is American a high school hangout them. place where kids go on dates and stuff like that, and people play games kind of socially together, and they play UFO catches and have fun, right? Uh, Gaming is, like, completely different. Gaming is sitting inside your apartment being a hikimori and doing nothing all day but playing yeah, video games. Because right? going home, spending a lot of time at home is, is a little more taboo than it is in in Western culture, right? Like like it's kind of looked down upon. Yeah, it's yeah, it's weird. Japan knows it's super powerful when it comes to soft power in terms of anime and video games. But as we've spoken about, in terms of how it views people who actually consume that stuff, it's still terrible. Even though it's so but embedded I, in their culture and they exploit the shit out of it, um, the people and I who think actually. They, they like it are otaku but that's because of the way japanese society is like it's not like western society where we take interest in many different things like you can play sports and like video games in japan it's like you are known for the one thing you do like if you're on the soccer team you're a soccer player like that's what you're known for doing if you play video games and you say i like video games then no matter whether you play soccer or you're a weightlifter or you're like a triathlon athlete if that's what people know you for, that's that's all you are. You're an otaku. So there, are, uh, it's just the way Japanese society views it at the moment. And 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 I think they uh, rightly should export a lot of weirder things because for the Western audiences, half the fun is like figuring out the culture shock of it, which which is a nice precedent for the next question by Keanu by Keanu E. I will not attempt to pronounce that last name. It's very complicated. It's a lot of vowels. Hey, Dad and Sons. Huge fan of the podcast here. I wanted to ask a question about some anime I think you guys should watch. Have you, Sons, ever heard of Pop Team Epic or Mahujin Guru Guru? They're comedic anime, but with some twists thrown into them. <laughs> yes, I, I I have heard of Pop Team Epic. I've attempted Pop Me Team too. Epic. Pop Team Epic is like a Simpsons parody of anime. Pop Team Epic, I don't think Pop Team Epic is what like Lost in Translation was about. Pop Team Epic is is like what your dad what thinks anime is. Is this? It's a four-panel Japanese webcomic translated over to anime, and the jokes do not make the transition to English very well. At, I like, like it, They're very, though. very particular. Like if you know the language, I bet you can consume this thing, but I've, I've like, tried, and just every every single gag was, was sailing over my head. Far over my head. I like the the references. The references are always pretty spot on. Like the Chrono Trigger reference was cool. Um, the one where they transport themselves into an anime or they're summoned into an anime episode and they just like completely rip the shit into all of the character archetypes and then the voice actors, it cuts to like the actual voice actors for the anime like in the studio and they're like, what the fuck is this shit? I wasn't pro- I wasn't told that I would be reading this shit. What is happening? Like the meta of it was <laughs> very entertaining. I, I like that that nice little like pleasant chuckle because it seems like that's the beat. Like like they'll have a entire thirty second long segment that's just a, a little pleasant chuckle of of a pun or a reference. 
And and one thing that I wish I, I would actually know about this 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 media is how it's presented over there. Is it a twenty two minute long TV show? Because because what no I've seen are these little thirty second blips. I. No, it's it's like that. The one thing I don't know whether it happens in Japan or not is the fact that they play the episode for 15 minutes with two male voice actors for the two characters. And then the last 15 minutes is the same episode again <laughs> with female voice actors for the what? two male characters. I don't... And I don't... That's- I that don't. sums it up so well. It's just like, it's so all I can do is shrug and just think this must be some weird Japanese humor that I'm not getting because I'm a filthy gaijin who doesn't get the references. It's weird. It, yeah. I I feel like I've rarely been exposed to media that I am so far away from the target demographic of. As I have with with Pop Team Epic, even though I feel like it's also making a weird attempt at appealing to my own demographic because I'm supposed to be a like nerdy weeb from the internet. But I I I am like mildly entertained by how much I don't get it. If that's the point, I mean somehow I, I don't think, think it's it entertaining. Is, but I'm still entertained. I don't think it makes much sense, but I think it's entertaining. I I just wish I could know what it's like to to get the some of the puns and the references. Until then, it's like it's 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 cute how thick it is. Anyways, <clears throat> Ryan Howell asks, "What are your thoughts on the preservation and availability of older games? How do you think the current trend of patches, updates, and DLC for games, in addition to server shutdowns for online focused games, affect people wanting to play older titles negatively?" Off the top of my head, that's my quick answers. Negatively, I see a lot of modern efforts to plug this stuff on in the internet and keep it updated. And with, with updates, you can't opt out of. Like, I I will never not be pissed off at companies that insist that their updates be mandatory because they seem completely unaware of the thought that a consumer might regard updating as a negative process. I just recently updated my Flux, this uh, software that's supposed to make your computer sepia tone to save your eyes from the harsh glow. And the new version is bad. And I can't go to the website and download the old version. I'm going to have to, like, download it from a skeezier source from some file sharing website that I'm going to have to Google my way through Russian, like, proxies to find. Because (laughs) the new version is bad and I want the old version. And eventually the new version of games that are just online only are going to go away forever. And you're never going to be able to play so many cool stuff that artists that are making talented, culturally significant art are uh, not going to be able to experience again for the rest of their lives because some heartless corporation decided it wouldn't be good for the short-term profits of the period of history they just so happened to be born into. (laughs) I can't follow that up. (laughs) (laughs) I think preservation for me comes down to like saving a game that maybe never got released... And like the demo code or something being saved by someone and reproduced for people to look at and stuff like that. Or older games that maybe got a limited release. In terms of like when it comes to servers and stuff like that, I think it's a little shitty if you pay for a game, especially if it's an online only game, and then it ends and no one can play it anymore. Um, So 
I get why people would want to do that, but like, how many of those games have players anyway? Apart from like the exceptions, like Demon Souls, which is a complete exception because that game is, you know, incredibly popular, but even then still didn't have that many players. So it's like a money versus time versus uh, people just say it's nice to keep these things up, but is anyone actually going to go back and play it? I, I, I hate it. I mean, for me, it's like, it's almost an ideological thing. I care deeply about the uh, process of storing things for the consumption of future generations. And I, I, I want to advocate and fight for a future where information and data and bandwidth are all so cheap that making online backup storages of everything becomes commonplace and normal and acceptable and not even a question. And that is not in the interest of companies who can create value from, from, from a limitation of time, from limiting a resource quite artificially by, by the nature of their, 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 their product marketing schemes. I'm sorry, I might sound like a tinfoil hat crazy person right now, but I'm <laughs> telling you, I, I I genuinely believe in it. I, I mean, there are those guys like, what's his name, Frank Frank Cafaldi, um, you know, who are doing stuff like the Mega Man Legends compilation, and he's part of the video game history museum or something. So there are people out there doing it. Um, it's just how it's Fight handled. Fight the power, brothers. I I appreciate so many efforts to uh, preserve and present older games. I do not want anything lost to uh, the, the 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 shroud of history. Well, time takes us all. Even the crap. Yeah. I I, I, I know that it's an inevitable process, but we can learn a lot from the crap that previous generations had forgotten. Like, uh, looking through, through old, um, repositories of, like, built-in shovelware that was included with copies of Windows 98. Like, who remembers Hover? No. Hover was important, you guys. (laughs) Hover was, like, the first real game that most people who installed Windows 95 would ever play on their machines. That stuff sets a, a precedent for for the times and in in the context of the period you're trying to study i i i'd, I'd hate to see it lost well it's weird just how games from 20 30 years ago will outlast games like demon souls which <laughs> aspects of it will oh, no longer yeah, be playable even me. though they're technically advanced as, it's an oxymoron as the technology but, yeah. as the technology improves apparently like like the process of preserving things has gotten worse like come the fuck no no i call bs on that well let's just say ai's become a thing then you can make a server and hey have ai players play with oh yeah yeah Yeah, this is actually um leaving notes in demon souls trying to invade you know your your space 
and and take all if your it's souls. somehow uh uh like like i i'm hoping for in my george topia if the bandwidth and the uh dev costs for doing that sort of thing somehow become cheap enough that it's no trouble to plug some self-learning ais into some some servers of some old video games and keep the communities going forever then then people thousands of years from now will still be able to know what demon souls oh, is i, I don't so, mean bots i mean like like you ever seen the movie her I want some real, well, I, I, some real AI. It, it might be happening because uh, EA is actually developing a self-learning AI to play Battlefield One with, and it's it's not a bot in the traditional sense. It's it's a the self-learning AI. It has a controller in front of it that's more or less the same buttons that the player has. George, it learns I want how people to pl- playing with me. Oh, people, but, AI but they're pretend people. people playing with you. I want to feel like they're dying when I shut off my computer. That's what I want. <laughs> oh my God. Wow. Jeez. They're like struggling for to, to continue the session. Yes. They're like my master. That's make me proud left. and I might wow, leave the server I... on for a little bit more. Oh my God. But wouldn't people just get them to play for them? Wouldn't it be like an amiibo situation where you can train them to be better and then you could send them off to just destroy people online? So then you're like raising the the babies. The 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 self-learning, self-caring AI that fears the death of being turned off to <laughs> kill that eventually will kill you. You're raising a child soldier basically? Um. An AI Child soldier, yes. Oh my god. This this is this is the Metal Gear that we all hope for. <laughs> I mean it's better than us dying. The Metal Gear era. It's coming. I was just uh thinking about how best to uh preserve games and now I have to worry about the personhood of the self learning AI bot that might be a might be might be able to keep the, the communities of multiplayer games alive and going eons into the future but will the bots who just spend their entire virtual lives playing playing battlefield one against each other forever will they ever truly know what the value of life even is probably not i don't need friends i have my ai if 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 you can't tell the difference between the two, then do you really need one or the other? <laughs> oh man, we're going down a dark, dark path. Reminds me of what um <laughs> well, what was that show that I used to really, really like until the third season? Or the fourth uh, season. the Flintstones? Damn it, what, Gilligan's Island? Damn, why am I forgetting things this episode? Channel 2 Action News. No, it's a Netflix series. What is it, uh, Liam? You watched it with me. Did I? Dark? What? Something dark. Are you you talking about Black Mirror? Black Mirror. There it is. Oh, my God. How did you forget that? How did I? I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm tired and I'm hungry. Okay? Tired and I'm hungry. And and living a Black Mirror episode. So we, we're probably we're probably ready to like roll away, like in in little balls and fetal positions. Yes, like Gorons. Uh, don't forget to buy our Dino Dick peripheral on the internet. Good plastic. You can stuff get it. There. You can get it bundled with a Salaryman game on Steam. Um, <laughs> just 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 look for the 
Just look for the the catchy eye thumbnail that will be mm-hmm. on Steam. Just look for that. It'll be salary girls. Yeah, it will be. We've 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 re overhauled development. Um, <laughs> if you look, girl. if you search under the sexually <laughs> active or inappropriate Sexual tags, <laughs> sexually active. sexual content yeah say oh yeah that's the word sexual content tag Uh, sorry i'm super tired we've been crunching on sexy salary man for weeks now so ss yeah hey initials hey matt guess what (laughs) yes if you search for sexually active on steam the first result is rec room (laughs) no it's not Yes, it is. I'm not actually kidding. Try it out. Sexually active? <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, it is. <laughs> That's what? all. What? See, me me and Rec Room, we're it's ahead not of the wrong. curve. We're ahead of the curve. You can kind of make it look like your Rec Room dude is jerking off, but yes. I doubt you can do much more than that in Rec Room. Oh, you, you can do a lot of <laughs> Oh, really? I have, I have yet to see that. Yeah. There's a dark corner of Rec Room. I'm surprised How that doesn't are, exist yet. Or maybe we just haven't seen it There are not many yet. dark corners we haven't seen here on this podcast. <laughs> We're willing to go to any sexually active corner of the internet, that's for sure. <laughs> Especially to shill our dino deck. Dino dick. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. I'm gonna I'm gonna end it there. <laughs> A dino dick. <laughs> <laughs>